G'day friends, welcome or welcome back to the Inner Voice podcast. I'm your host, Travis McKenzie, and this is the latest edition of the I'm Curious to Know project. Today's guest is a new friend, someone I'm very glad to have met because of this project, Ran Margoliath. Ran has a fascinating story. He's the first Israeli to earn his way to a world tour team as a professional cyclist. But that really is just the beginning. No matter how you spin it, Ran is an innovator. He carved a path for himself to the top of his sport, and then following his time in the pro peloton, he built the Israeli Cycling Academy, which five years later is a UCI world tour team competing on the biggest stage of the sport. But he didn't stop there. Most recently and most importantly, Ran founded the Gino Batali School to continue the legacy of Gino Batali and to provide Israeli youth the opportunity to discover and foster their own passion for cycling. The school is also focused on developing leaders and bringing together kids from diverse backgrounds and religions to celebrate and enhance connection through sport. We applaud Ran for his entrepreneurial spirit and his ability to create a future that many deemed impossible. Enjoy the show. Day 24 of the I'm Curious to Know project uh, presented by Inner Voice, and I'm very privileged uh, to have someone who stayed up all night waiting for this uh, after 10 p.m. here um, with Ran Magliot. Did I get it right, Ran? How are you? Yeah, it's impressively good. Yeah, you're good. I was practicing in my head many, many times before. Um, now, you're in Israel. It's, uh, it's 10.30 in the evening there. I really appreciate you staying up and making the time. Um, and I'm very excited to chat to you today. You have a, a pretty great story that um, what I could guess not a lot of people have heard or not enough people have heard, should we say, um, personally, but also professionally. And I want to really get into that today. But why don't we go right back to the start? You grew up in Israel. You're probably, you know, one of the first cyclists to make it to the top level of cycling in um, from your country. Um, but I want to I want to hear about your 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 childhood. I want to hear about what it was like growing up. Yeah, so I was born and raised here. Um, you know, I always start with you know the fact that I I got I got into cycling by you know just being a chubby boy. I wanted to lose some weight. My mother thought that I'm not active enough. Um, so I picked up mountain bike very randomly. I had a friend in school who, who rode rode a bit. Yeah, I fell in love. You know, one of the, one of the things I remember the most is that in this sport enabled me to experience things that, you know, I haven't felt in any other area. I could, you know, feel independent and really discover discover strength that I didn't think I, I've had, you know, as a, as a non-sportive boy, non-athletic boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the age of 16, you know, I started, I started a mountain bike, then I later on started riding in a local club a little bit on the road. And in the age of 16, I incidentally uh, won Israel Nationals. As a, as a junior, which was, you know, uh, for me, it was it meant the world. And I never thought that I could achieve something like that. Um, I had a bit of a race intelligence, not, not, so, not so much power in my legs. I think I used right. it in, in my favor. In the following weeks, they broadcasted the Tour de France, you know, on Eurosport. And I was watching it, you know, feeling like, you know, I, I'm, I'm the Cinderella story. You know, I'm, I'm that guy who, who came in, in just a few years from being a... The you know the, the guy who sh- shouldn't be winning you know national championship and, and making it happen, so I convinced myself you know watching Lance beating Ulrich to win his I don't know sixth or seventh Tour de France that um, that I, I'm going to be the one Israeli who is going to against the odds uh, make that that dream come true. 
And I had a father, you know, my father used to be, uh, used to work for the Air Force and he's like a, that kind of a serious guy. And he said, if you come up with big statements, you better back them up with, you know, with a plan. I made some homework and I saw what, what guys currently racing the Tour de France have done when they were in my age. In the following nine years, I, I chased that dream obsessively. And coming from a place like Israel, you know, it was, I had to, I had to learn very fast. I had to find a, a team to race with in Europe. I had to find money, you know, I had to be able to somehow uh, fulfill my mandatory service in the Israeli Defense Forces, the Army. So, you know, there were many, many challenges to, to, to come through, but uh, I think it was one of the, the most meaningful gifts I ever received in my life. The ability to be excited, you know, to be passionate about something and, and to chase it and, and, and to understand that, you know, uh, a goal that matters to you is really, is really something that gives, brings meaning, meaning to your life. And, and, and therefore, it's, you know, all, all the hard work and all the struggles that we all go through, you know, make, make sense. Now, tell me about the opportunity. So you talk about a friend who kind of got you into it. Um, was it easy to access equipment? Was it easy to have mentors or coaches or people who could guide you through that process? You talked about a local club. It's, it's been a while since the last time I actually thought about it, but I think... It, it's probably it probably has been much much more complicated than it is right now, uh, mm-hmm. because right now you know the the country is is much, the cycling in this country is, is much more structured. But I think you know I, I grew up in the era of internet, you know, so it's not like mm-hmm. I was searching books in some you know old <laughs> libraries. And I was passionate about it, so it was very soon it became my life. I don't think it was it was my main struggle. I think creating a path. There there was no like handbook, you know. There was there was no mm-hmm. there was no map. How do you do it? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so I had no one to ask because no one has done it before, which was, you know, by itself a challenge, but was also an opportunity. And you've done an amazing job of paving that path or carving that path for yourself, but also for the next generation. And we will get there. I really want to talk about that and spend a lot of time there. But I want to talk about some of your memorable moments. You know, you get to a World Tour team, you, you race on the team, Saxo Bank team. Tell me about some of those moments that you can remember one, one of the main milestones you know i knew that in order to to race the tour de france i need to become professional you know and race for for a world tour team was obviously an important milestone to achieve but i also knew that that they have to to make it through a certain you know uh, time frame doing a little bit of a reverse reverse engineering i realized you know that my special cinderella story you know the guy that comes from from israel and, and make it against all odds and I knew also that I, I wasn't the most talented guy, to, to say the least. Mm-hmm. It will only happen under certain circumstances. So from the moment I, I, I will finish my army service at the, at the age of 21, because in Israel we have the three years of mandatory service in the army from 18 to 21, I will have maybe a year or two maximum. So I was very, very stressed going step by step, you know, going from, from the junior ranks and, and to the under-23s and gain race experience. And I was very stressed whether or not I'm going to make it on time because I, I believe deeply that that I could make it under certain circumstances. I never actually doubted that belief, you know, which in retrospect, that helped me a lot. One of the most memorable experiences was maybe a year, the year before I, um, I got the confirmation from Bjarne Rees. I was already racing uh, the year before as a stagiaire for another, another team and they didn't sign me eventually. They, they said I, I, I wasn't good enough. So I, w- I had no team. And, and, and I had uh, my, my parents just got divorced around that, that time. You know, my, my financial situation wasn't very easy. Um, I just finished the army service to travel to Italy. And every single day, uh, you know, I, was, I, I convinced myself tomorrow I'll get a call. I had, a, mm-hmm. I had an agent that I, I used to, you know, send my files every day. 
you know, when I was training in, in Luca with the guys from Saxo and some other guys from BFC and, you know, and I, I just, I convinced myself, you know, tomorrow is going to be the day. Tomorrow is going to be the day. And, yeah. and at a certain point, you feel like, you know, you are, you're obsessed about it, right? There's no, nothing else in the world that matters for you, which helps if you, if you want to achieve big things, you know, because mm -hmm. this is a certain way to, you know, to run yourself. But it also, this is not a good recipe for, for a healthy lifestyle. You cannot last very long. And I remember the day I, I got the call from Bjarne. I said, uh, you should come to the training camp. They were, they were holding a training camp in the Alps during the Tour de France for the guy who were not riding the Tour in a place called Rizul uh, 2000. And I just felt like a huge relief. I was like, I, I didn't even think that I'm, I'm just, the, the, you know, the, the toughest, the tough parts are just, just ahead of me. <sighs> I'm in, right? <laughs> like, yeah, this is yeah. good. Tell me about that that blind belief or that that blind optimism to think that you're going to make it and it's your somewhat your destiny is that something you you can remember having as a kid as a child is that something that you had to develop over time so i, th I think it's something that you 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 grow up into right uh, at the beginning you don't really think think of it in terms of goals you know and and, and purpose and and what gives me meaning you just you know you like it you 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 enjoy mm -hmm. the doing you you feel like an inner drive you know to get on your bike to to push hard on the clients to sweat to 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 get that lactate acid you know because you have some energy to burn but later on you know there there are different areas that that influences you and it's not only the physical part not only mm -hmm. the self-esteem part you know there is also the social Thing that you are, you are suddenly become 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 a part of a, of a, a group of people who have the same standards like you and same wishes like you. They all have, all have similar goals, although they don't call mm. it the same way and similar passion. So one of the things you want the most is you want the attention, right? You you want to to feel rewarded as someone who, who excels. So that's that's one one thing that gives you gives you meaning. It gives you satisfaction. Another yeah. thing is really you know the ability. To go beyond what what people in your you know in your neighborhood in the place that you come from consider as as doable to to mm -hmm. to that, that might be the same will for um, for recognition but it comes in a in a different way you you want to to feel meaningful by representing your country you want to make your your parents uh, you know be proud of you I think it all, it all comes down to to our fears and our, you know, our ego and how much we want to, to be recognized. And ego is a strong, is a strong power for, for competitive athletes. In a way, the way I, I framed it in my mind is that by doing so, I will be able to, to, to drive a much larger impact than just, you know, winning bike races. Um, yeah. I really, th I was really convinced that this particular sport and, and because I saw what it did for me, you know, coming from being a, a uh, chubby boy with a low self-esteem, you know, with a with not many friends. By by achieving those competitive goals that I've set to myself, I'll be able to to drive a much larger impact. You finished your career. Um, you still had that dream or that goal of racing the Tour de France. You knew it may not be um, available to you, but you wanted to give that opportunity to your fellow countrymen, and you wanted to create a pathway which you had done yourself, but uh, making it a little bit more simple by starting a team and starting a program and getting that off the ground. Tell me about that next phase of supporting and having that impact that you talk about. I never actually quit pro cycling. Pro cycling quitted me. So right. it took a while for me to, to, give up, to give up on that dream. And, and during that process, you know, that of course you are, there, there's, there's a place of disappointment, you know, and sometimes a lot of frustration. 
you know, because of those unachieved goals. You are not seeing all everything that you've done so far. You start to 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 question yourself both what's next and also what why do I do that? Like what mm-hmm. what is the purpose of all that? Why why is it so important for me? And one of the things that I realized is that I, I, I want to be able to close the circle in a certain way. You know, I, I felt that cycling gives a lot to me. It's a it's a, almost a therapeutic tool, you know, for me on a daily basis. And I thought, okay, this if if this sport does so much for me personally, you know, and if I realize I cannot do it myself as an athlete anymore, I might have an opportunity, you know, to to create a, a, ver- a version two. That's how the the dream of Israel Cycling Academy, nowadays known as Israel Startup Nation, started. You know, just trying to maybe a little bit compensate of what I, I couldn't achieve myself, but also in a way close the circle. When we decided to call it um, Cycling Academy, you know, in day one, and we recruited the likes of Silva, of, um, Peter Sagan to support it. In year one, people were questioning, so why why are you telling everyone you want to be in the Tour de France? Because no Israeli can be in Tour de France. We already saw that. Mm. You know, we, yeah. we see what the athletes we have here. and. And you call it an academy. An academy means that you are trying to create a development team. The plan of that of that organization was designed a little bit, you know, in accordance with my, based on my previous experience. You know, I wanted to grow organically with an organization, yeah. you know, with uh, that will serve as an authentic uh, role model of how how should it be done. You know, and and we've set a very ambitious, not to say naive goal, you know, of growing with these athletes. Uh, year by year to make it to the 2020 Tour de France, you know, and we dared to, to tell the entire world about it, you know, in, in the end of 2014, and everyone thought we were crazy. And we yeah. didn't have enough money, and I didn't have any, ex- you know, any experience as a manager, and we've done all kinds of mistakes. But but I think that same rule apply- that, that had helped me, you know, overcome probably what was supposed to be my natural potential also helped over here. You know, if if you're passionate about something and if you dare to chase that you know specific goal you know and you have a good game plan and you and you do everything you can to get enough good people around you you know you you might you might as well be able to pull it off you know and that's what you've done i love the story and i love the journey that you know that that it has taken in 2020 there's a uci world tour team israel startup nation uh, you know, probably going to the Tour de France, most likely, it kind of does f- full circle for you for that for that to happen effectively. Yeah, it is pretty funny how life uh, how life played out eventually. But there's more, and you've founded and you've created this amazing youth leadership program and youth leadership school. Um, and I want you to t- I want you to talk about that, but I also want you to talk about um, you know the Gino Batali piece and and how much that means and, and share that story a little bit as well. The story of Bartoli, you know, it, it, uh, it's something that has crossed, you know, uh, dur- during that path, you know, we all, we've been talking about pro cycling and how that, you know, has, has been the focus, at least of my life in the past. But this story, you know, happened to to somehow come into my attention again in, during um, my journey trying to, to to pursue this Tour de France dream. And in 2007, a journalist called uh, Laura Messager contacted me and asked me if I... If I could help the family of uh, Gino Bartoli, was uh, one of the most um, you know famous cyclists in the history of uh, of Italy. To reach out to Yad Vashem, uh, who is the world's uh, remember- Holocaust Remembrance Center in Jerusalem, uh, because it, we were trying to recognize him as the Righteous Among the Nations, which is one of the most prestigious awards for non-Jews who helped save Jews during the Holocaust. 
And, and I said, I'll, I'll try to help them. I, did, I knew nothing about the story. I knew nothing about Bartoli, but uh, my grandfather um, has been working for Yad Vashem. Long story short, they had no, not enough evidence, valid evidence, and, and they could not get Bartoli recognized as righteous among the nations. Uh, do you know Bartoli, for those who, who happen to have never heard, heard of his story, um, during the war, during World War II, um, decided he will join the Assisi Underground, an underground movement uh, who was active uh, in the center of Italy to help save Jews. He, he used his uh, fame as, uh, as one of the, the most famous uh, sportsmen in, in Italy and the fact that he was a cyclist to, be, to become a courier, to carry fake IDs and, and, and documents inside his bike frame and uh, to carry them from Florence to Assisi, a distance of almost 200 kilometers, uh, 120 miles. Um, and from multiple times, and and the most crazy fact about it is that after after the war, he never talked about it with anyone, mm-hmm. including his kids, and therefore only after he passed away in two thousand, his story became you know started to, started to come to become famous. Uh, in two thousand and thirteen, the family finally got enough evidence, and 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 Bartali was announced as righteous among the nations. A journey of you know, that the trans apple till today. Uh, has been going on of many people, many great people who were who decided this will be an amazing story to help both commemorate, you know, uh, the brave deeds he did during the Holocaust, but also commemorate the Holocaust for the coming years, making sure that that this inspiring story of of the uh, of the champion, the the, um, the Christian champion who had no reason to risk his life and was very humble about it and use it as a way to inspire kids around the world. Yeah. And uh, after I quitted. Um, uh, my, my role as uh, team manager of uh, Israel Cycling Academy in, in 2018. Uh, together with a few dear friends, uh, we've decided we'll start um, a special school. We dedicated it to the memory of Bartoli, the, the Gino Bartali uh, Youth Leadership School. Uh, and this school is carrying a very special message of being able to create a continuity of what we think Bartali would have wanted, which is to use sport to bring, kid, to bring kids from different cultures uh, together. We specifically selected the kids um, for this school from uh, from everything, you know, from the entire Israeli diversity. Many people think that mm-hmm. Israeli only include people who are, you know, Jews, Jewish. Uh, but the, the real fact is that Israel is one of the most complex countries uh, in the world. So in, the, in our school, we have kids who, who are coming from four different religions. We have Arabic, mm-hmm. Arab Muslims, uh, Israelis, Arab Christians. We have a kid who is Druze, who's another religion. Kids, you know, Jewish kids come and live in the settlements. Jewish uh, boys and girls who, who've, you know, who are coming from from places that probably, you know, they would have not not met uh, if if not for this program. Uh, and we've decided that the curriculum of the program uh, will be built, you know, uh, following what we think uh, Bartali would have wanted. So on top of uh, a very intense daily routine, the kids are training uh, twice a day, you know, in different cycling disciplines, including uh, mountain bike, roads, uh, cyclocross, track. Very soon we'll, we'll start proper graveling over here. Uh, yeah. They also have a full leadership uh, education they are very involved with their surroundings. Each of them has a, a series of individual tasks that he's leading to help improve uh, is the, the well-being of those around him. Now the, the situation with COVID-19 helped us to, to push it a step further. And each of them has really adopted a, a group of kids uh, from his village that, uh, that is uh, helping to support. So, yeah, we yeah. hope we make Bartoli proud. If you haven't heard of, of Gino's story, go and look it up. Um, you know, there is some publication of it now. 
it is an incredible story and an incredible journey and incredible man and, and what an uh, what an honor for you guys to be able to carry on that legacy. Now you talked about the di- diversity and I had a, a dear friend of mine, um, Britton Barbie on the show last week and he's an African-American and there there was this um, highly publicized case here in America where um, a gentleman was out running an African-American and he was shot and killed. Um, and we had a discussion around race and race relations and racism and um, and diversity and how can we have that conversation. And then when you and I got on the on the call earlier, you talked about that diversity piece. And it's not something that North Americans may be that aware of or people from around the world if you're not familiar with the surroundings or the, or what what is happening in Israel. But as you're saying, there's so many different religions, races, people that are coming together. And that is a big part of what you are trying to do at the school is to encourage relations between different races, different religions, and create that feeling of oneness. You know, so all along my journey, you know, I, I had to figure it out. One of the things that I've been asked a lot is, is whether, you know, racing in Europe, living in Europe, you know, whether or not I've, I've experienced some uh, racial ex- expressions at certain point, well, abuses, whatever. And, and the truth is that, that I, 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 don't, I don't remember any, any of that because I think there's something very special about sports in general, but in our sports in particular, and is that it has no color, you know, and mm-hmm. it, might, it might be that other people see it differently, you know, but in, from my experience coming from a place like Israel, which for, for many people is polarizing, you know, people, so many people are, you know, have their, their own opinions. I've all felt like my opinion could be, could be heard, but I will not be judged. Um, and in the same way that, that the sport creates um, a very, you know, balanced platform to connect people. Um, there's this therapeutic almost effect that when we go on a bike, you know, the, the better of us come, comes, comes, comes mm. out. So, so that's something that, that was always very meaningful for me. And especially here in my country, I, I know, you know, by fact that, that only because of this sport, there are many people that I was able to connect to, but otherwise mm-hmm. there is no chance in the world that I would, would be friend of just because, you know, it's very, very easy to miss, to misjudge. Um, yeah. so this is something we've decided we'll, will be our mission to bring people together, to bring kids together. We didn't want to call it, you know, peace project, you know, or coexistence, you know, or all those big words that, that, you know, push some people aside. We just wanted to focus on the sport for sport. But for us, you know, there's a, there's a certain game plan. We feel that, you know, in every, in every situation we are at, we can choose um, how, how do we want to influence you know, and, and all of us are obviously, you know, as human beings, we're all, always focused on about, about ourselves, especially, yes. you know, as athletes. There's a lot of self-centered, centeredness, you know, that can mm-hmm. be positive in many areas, but can also be, many times it can be negative, you know. And we are trying to encourage those kids that we work with that after, you know, they are establishing a certain level of, of self-esteem, you know, of sense of capability, that they will be much more focused on on, on influencing and, and helping those around them. That only happens when someone is is feeling happy. If you are feeling that you are in a in a survival mode, like many of us are, yeah. then you know you are you're not open to see other people's needs. Uh, yeah. And this is where you know I started to question myself whether or not we can do it only through competitive cycling, right? Mm-hmm. Because what what happens is you know there are many many good stuff about competitive sport. You know it helps you reach new, new peaks, you know, it helps you discover, you know, uh, your limits. There, there, there's many great stuff about it, but there is also something very isolating. And one of the things that eventually, you know, made me choose a different path was that I always felt that it wasn't enough. And when someone needs more, he is, 
He cannot be present. He cannot be in a place where, where he wants to, to give to others because he's always feel that anger. You know, he can never mm. be satisfied. So that's when I started to question it. And I, I started noticing that also around me, you know, this, this has become a phenomenon. I see many people, you know, what they care mo more about this sport now is not necessarily who won, but being, being a part of a community. This is the thing, one of the reasons that the gravel became so popular in the U.S. And, and this yeah. is one of the things we try to bring over here as well. It is about the challenge, not necessarily about the achievement. And translating it into young people's mind is it's not always easy, right? Because they see the world based on their role models, you know. So yeah. if you are able to to understand, you know, that many many things about this, you know this this part of of our sport are great, but there are also others that could be changed, then then you have the opportunity, you know, to you know try try to learn again what works. If we are if we were to rewrite the rule, the rules, you know, how should it be done? What why what would we select? You know, and this is a yeah. very exciting journey that I'm very. You know, I'm very fortunate to be part of, but I feel that this is one of one one of the things that happens in nowadays world. And right now, after I hope that after COVID, you know, era, um, we'll have an opportunity to rewrite those rules. You know, what kind of world do we want to raise our children into? What kind of sport do we want to bring the, our children into? I would not mm. want my children to be Tour de France riders, but I, I do want them to be bike riders. What I gather from that is you're giving these students the tools that they need to become better humans so that is being able to have discussions or with people that aren't like them or come from different places and backgrounds so giving them the opportunity to have those discussions that a lot of us didn't have because we weren't uh, exposed to people from different races and religions and backgrounds when we were growing up you're giving them the opportunity to seek achievement and get better and um, dedicate themselves to something and feeling those uh, opportunities to feel successful along the way. And you're also giving them that opportunity to, um, to ex you know, explore a sport, explore the world, uh, find ways of transport, find ways of connecting with friends and themselves and learning about their body. So I think that it's this holistic view that I really love about what you're doing. I think there's one, one, one more element which for me makes a difference is when we start to understand how is it relevant for for, for other, other themes, right? Is, is mm -hmm. what we are achieving through the sport, you know, ends the moment we are, you know, we get out of, the, out of the bike or do we really, you know, make an impact that could, you know, could translate into other areas of our life? And I'm convinced about it. You know, one of the things is, is that we are trying to recognize whether or not, you know, those skills uh, that we are, we are learning, you know, through, through this exercise are truly life skills, you know, the ability to translate the grit, you know, and the resilience and, and the ability for those kids to communicate despite having maybe sometimes language barrier, to, to come up with new initiatives, you know, despite, you know, the, the fear that all of us has of, of failing. And mm -hmm. those are all things that, that we believe could translate into other areas of our life. And we try to, to, to structure it in a way that we can show that, that sport can be an alternative form of, of education, a meaningful form of education which for, for some kids, maybe not all of them, you know, could, could be even be more meaningful in school at certain points. You know, I know that yeah. I learned much more in, in cycling than I ever learned in, a, in any, any kind of formal education, you know. And mm -hmm. I feel that in nowadays world, when, when people are looking for other ways to create effective, effective education and, and impacting kids' life, and, and I hope we can also change people's perception on, on whether or not is it, this is just sport or this can truly translate into being something that helps Let's create a better society. I'm certain it hasn't all been rosy and rainbows and unicorns. 
tell me about some of the challenges that you faced in getting this up and running and getting it off the ground and, and building what you're building. Well, the toughest part is always the financial side. You know, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, so it always comes like mm. who's funding, who's, who's paying the bills. So it's yeah. not a secret, you know, you need to, you need to be able to, to bring, at least in the beginning, you know, to raise donations, to have people, you know, who believe in you. That's the first. Second is, is that process of rewriting the rules. Like people, you know, they are sometimes, you know, say, okay, so, so you think you know better, but like, you know, there are p- many people that, that went that path before you. And the secret of rewriting the rules is not thinking you know better, but but gather around enough people around you who believe in the same goals and, and, and try to see what you want to create. Because if we all agree that cycling has impacted our life for the better, then we have a common ground to work to work on something together. The main difficulties or challenges is, is to convince our surrounding, those people who are who are not cycling, you know. And and yeah. you know, you and me talking about it as a a form of education, you know, there are there might be people people listening to that and thinking, this guy's, you know, is living on a, <laughs> you know, on another planet. <laughs> if you had to pitch this to someone who didn't know about it, or maybe you want to raise some more money, what is that why? Why are you doing this? My why is that you know, I, we we are we're using passion, you know, to bring kids together. It happens to be through cycling, but this is this is my why. I am I. I I realized that everything I achieved, you know, was because that I was very, very passionate about it. My passion has changed over the years. You know, I was first passionate about, you know, winning the local bike race. Then I went trying to make it to the big, the world's biggest bike race. Then trying to help others, but it remained the same. I was always very, very passionate about the sport and very convinced that it has a greater impact than just, you know, riding riding those two wheels faster. Um, yeah. And 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 this passion is the one thing, you know, that that has made me to to discover some of the most amazing you know places i ever i've never thought i'll ever achieve i met my wife through this sport this is this is my why i think passion uh, allows people to to overcome a lot of bridges also cultural bridges and and i want to use it in order to to create to create a difference in my country if this is resonating with people if people listening or watching and saying this is i love what he's doing i love the mission i love the why how can they support? How can they be a part of growing this program from wherever they are? So they can visit our website, ginobartaliscool.com. Uh, and we'll soon also launch our, our new website, uh, which is uh, bartali.org.il, which is uh, also, you can also see our other, other um, programs around the country. We're doing a lot of work um, to, to grow the sport as a form of education, we have the Bartley Youth Leadership School is only eight athletes, but we have almost 150 athletes active in, in other, other schools around the country. And we're doing a lot of work to commemorate the legacy of Bartley, making sure more people around the world know who Bartley was. And uh, we hope that very soon we can also invite people to ride together with us, which is the best way to connect, right? I'd love to come and ride some gravel in Israel. I think that would be a, a lifelong uh, dream to, to experience that country in that way. You should. I don't know how comfortable I am getting on it in plane anytime soon, but maybe maybe one day it'll happen. Well, I think we'll have to at a certain point, but yeah, we'll take it yeah. step by step. I, I also want to give a shout out to, to our mutual friend, Jonathan Friedman, for introducing us. Uh, Jonathan's a great man. I know he's um, he's done a lot of really good work in, in honoring the memory of Gino Batali as well. So I think it deserves a lot of credit, a lot more than many people you know, know. He has been doing a lot of work behind the scenes of, of helping many different initiatives, you know, including the, 
the bringing up of the of the Bartoli school, and I owe a lot of, yep. a lot for him. Before I do let you go, I do like to ask three questions um, to my to my guests uh, to to keep it a little bit topical and relevant for this month of May that we're all kind of facing our own version of this COVID uh, COVID experience. So I'm going to throw these questions at you. Um, number one, what's one thing that has changed for you during this lockdown, isolation, COVID period that you want to keep? once we move past this period and go into whatever the next phase is? Being more humble. We can't say enough how, how small we are in this entire situation. And uh, sometimes which bring we can change the world. And uh, yeah, it might be that uh, it starts with doing the dishes, you know, helping the wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> so being humble and doing the dishes is what I took from that. That's, uh, that's a great one. Number two, uh, what's one thing you thought was important uh, before this, this period? that you're happy to leave in the past? I think physical presence. I was very concerned, you know, about not, not being able to, to be in enough places at a certain time. Mm. You know, I was always, you know, always felt I had sort of a FOMO, you know. I, I always yep. felt like missing something. Um, so, yeah, I think this, is, this taught us all a great lesson of, you know, trying to stay, you know, it's a certain way of being humble as well. But, yeah, trying yep. to, to, to make the most of what you have, you know, being more present. Third question, what's been the most memorable moment of joy you've had during this period? Finishing my first WIFT session. Yeah, but I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't like riding on the, on the turbo trainer. I can tell you that. I have a better Oh, yeah, go, a, go, go. On, on certain moments during, um, during this COVID-19, we have, um, we've challenged our participants, our kids, you know, to, uh, to participate in challenge rides. And uh, one of the most uh, emotional ones we've, we've done was uh, this fundraising ride we've done to fundraise uh, uh, turbo trainers uh, for, for different schools so we can enable the kids to, to train despite the quarantine. Uh, and, and we've seen a group of 40 kids who've together ro- rode uh, over 3,000 kilometers. So that's an average of uh, 75 kilometers per kid, something like 50 miles per kid. Those were mainly kids who've never done a distance like that in their life, and they've done it in circles around their homes. You know, yeah. and and they've done it for to raise money to help other kids. So that that's felt like you know we are coming a full circle. This is this is what we should be doing. Are they already in the program? Kids that you had in the program, and you just yeah, encouraged but, them or gave that opportunity to to help raise funds to help other kids. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's really cool. Um, if you've got any advice of how you can find joy riding on Zwift, I'd, I'd be happy to take it because I'm yet to I'm yet to find that feeling for myself. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah. Step by step. Uh, Yeah. Step by step. Maybe I just need to try more. Um, That might be helpful. Um, Ron, this has been amazing. I really appreciate your time. I know it's late there. So that's even more meaningful that you were able to, uh, to dedicate that time to me. Um, I really love hearing the story. Uh, I'm really happy to be able to share it more and I really look forward to staying in touch and, um, you know, I'll get Jonathan and I together and yourself and maybe we can get on Zwift and, and stay in touch and, Maybe one day I can come and visit and check out the work you're doing and we'll get a, get out for a ride together. Absolutely. Thank you yeah. very much. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate you for staying up late into the evening to join me for the latest edition of the I'm Curious to Know project. I love learning about your history and the important work you've begun and the outstanding legacy that you're creating. Kudos to you. Thanks also to you for listening. It means a lot that you're here with me every day throughout May. I'm excited to bring you more daily episodes to close out the month. Please stay tuned. I'm Travis McKenzie and this is the Inner Voice Podcast.